Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. With just two weekends left before Christmas, the holiday shopping frenzy is in full swing. And like most Americans, gift buyers in the St. Louis region have countless options to choose from. That's both locally and online. But more and more people want to put their dollars towards consumer goods that support a good cause. The fair trade movement is all about that, and it's finding increased interest from local shoppers. Here today to talk to us about it is Julio Zagara Balan. He's the owner of ZB Market, which has locations on South Grand and now in Maplewood, and it sells handcrafted, fair trade, and sustainably priced gifts. It also sells fairly traded coffee and chocolate, tea, and other treats. It's a whole lot of good stuff. So, Julio, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. And Allison Miller is the executive director of Partners for Just Trade. They're a nonprofit, faith-based organization that connects fair trade craftspeople in other countries with retail outlets and even consumers here in the U.S. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you. Julio, there's growing awareness about this idea of fair trade, but there can also be some confusion. I've heard some people confuse it with free trade, and I know it's much different than that. So tell us, what do we mean by fair trade? Fair trade in the simplest form is simply a model, a business model, where we ensure that the producers of the goods we carry, the farmers who bring to the U.S. coffee and chocolate, are paid or compensated fairly for the work they do. You're absolutely right. It's not free trade. That is more like a global two countries agreeing on, a ter- on terms of trade. And it's also not charity. And that's a very important distinction. Fair trade is simply a way of doing business where you put the priorities of the producers, the artisans, the farmers first, caring for long-term relationships and ensuring that the, glo- the planet is also looked at and that we are stewards of the environment. So this is kind of the opposite of the infamous sweatshops where people are working under Absolutely terrible conditions. correct. And I think when you said earlier there is a growing movement, people are more aware of what where their dollars are going. They're making better choices, more educated choices. And when somebody begins to ask, well, who made the shoes that I'm wearing? Who made the jeans that I buy? you are realizing there's this unfortunate supply chain model out there in the world where the producers, the people behind machines are not necessarily treated fairly. It's like me asking you, you know, Sarah, come work with me for 10 hours and I'll give you $2 an hour. It's like, gee, will thanks. You t- will you take the job? Yeah. You will probably say, absolutely not. There is a legal system while maybe not perfect in the United States, that at least ensures that people have a minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other parts of the world, that doesn't exist. There's no legal framework to protect people. In this desperation and people, and women in particular, who just need to have an income, sometimes have to take jobs where they are exploited. Allison, um, I know you're coming from the faith-based nonprofit side of this. What are the roots of this being something that people of faith care about? Uh, So it started with people that were traveling to Peru on mission trips to visit with partners that were there. Uh, And they met with the artisans when they were there visiting, and they saw their products and decided to bring them back and sell them out of their cars and out of their churches locally until it grew uh, to be a nonprofit that it is now. Okay. And Julio, just coincidentally, you are also from Peru. This is interesting that there's these connections with this one country. Partners for Just Rate, PJT, actually um, has been part of our business for since its inception. Um, Mm -hmm. You're absolutely correct. More than 10 years ago, I got connected with PJT. At the time, the organization were working, was working exclusively with Peruvian artisans and producers. So when I was introduced to this non-for-profit, it was very clear that uh, they needed help. They needed help with time, talent, and treasure. And therefore, I was able to support them. 
And uh, when I decided to launch my business, um, one of the three suppliers that I chose that were all members of the Fair Trade Federation was in fact PJT. So with the experience that I had seen and worked and seen the products that PJT brought to the US, I was better better educated and able to curate a collection initially that ended up being super successful and that's what led to ZB Market growing. Oh, okay. And I want to talk a bit more about that shop in a minute, but first the bigger idea of fair trade. Um, our producer Evie Hemphill talked to Patrice Estes, who's the director of Plowshare and Crafts. Um, they celebrate their 35th year in St. Louis next year, so they're kind of the OGs of fair trade. Uh, Patrice explained some reasons why this kind of trade is so important. Fair trade artisans, 70% are going to be women. And those are the people that are unemployed or underemployed in many countries of the world. Also, many of the crafts can be done in the home. So it's a win-win for the artisan that gets involved with a fair trade group um, that can raise their children and still be earning a wage to better their lives. That's Patrice Estes. She's the director of Plowshare and Crafts here in St. Louis. And we're wondering from those of you listening, do you make a point to support fair trade dealers? Why does ethical shopping matter to you? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Allison, just tell us a little bit, how did you end up getting involved in this line of work? You obviously don't have the roots um, in a foreign country, and um, but here you are now running this organization. Yeah, so I was actually a volunteer in Peru for a year. Uh, when I was in Peru, I was working with our current partnership organization when I was there. And so I was working with artisans, working on that side, um, and seeing how those, uh, how fair trade, how these concepts are affecting local communities in Peru. And through working with that organization, I got connected to this organization. And when I moved back to the States, I became the executive director of PJT. Okay, and that's a big leap. But Julio, I feel like you took an even bigger leap. You had this high-powered corporate job here in St. Louis. And you decided, of all things, to get into retail. <laughs> People are kind of going in the opposite direction these days. Um, how did this end up? How did this transition end up working? Um, you went from being a volunteer to selling these goods, and then ultimately to a brick and mortar shop. Yeah, um, it's a great question, and, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, what I find is that I had this lifelong dream to start a business. Um, it was always there, um, and I had a corporate job, actually two different corporate jobs that gave me enough tools and, and experience in managing uh, retail. You knew businesses. I knew businesses, and you know the numbers and, and financing and, and all of that. What I didn't have a very clear uh, vision was on what kind of thing. I could have been selling books, I could have been selling diamonds, I could have been selling used clothing or vintage clothing. But my connection with PJT and understanding how fair trade truly works and the impact it has in the lives of these producers gave me this clarity. So, so now this I volunteer have, work is really what got you into it. It really did. And, uh, and I made a commitment to myself that if I ever left corporate America and decided to become a self-employed individual and own a small business, that it would, in fact, be fair trade. So uh, so to all of you listening out there, if you do volunteer for non-for-profits, there is a chance that you might get infected with this incredible 
little bug. It's a bug that changes your life and it gives you clarity and direction as to what you want to do. And uh, as I said before, I decided to launch a business uh, while I was still employed full time because it is a big risk. You, mm -hmm. you don't get into it 100% without knowledge that it's going to be a successful opportunity. So I took sort of baby steps. Um, I bought product initially with my wife's consent and, and, and approval. That's important and, to have that. And, and, and I had some money out of our savings account. I invested that. And to my surprise, the very first time I had a chance to bring those goods, uh, goods to the public, the response was incredible. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I learned really two things. Um, there was this incredible interest on the beautiful uniqueness of the products. They're all after actually handcrafted, so that just sets you apart from that, but also the story behind the product. And what I found myself doing over the first few weekends when I was bringing these goods to, to stores, I mean, sorry, to farmers markets or other places, was people loved the story behind the product just as much as the product itself. Mm -hmm. And it took a couple of years before I realized this is really a viable business. Mm -hmm. Every time I go to a weekend farmer's market, for instance, I sell off half of what I bring. Mm. And so that makes you um, more confident. And that's when the idea of uh, having a first bricks and mortar started. And so you went for that first one. And then um, you decided to go all in, double down on two shops. Yes. I mean, this is amazing to see. You're kind of flying in the face of Banana Republic is closing its shops, and here you are, ZB Market is growing. It is, and it is because, um, I think you brought that up earlier, I think there is an increased awareness from people to, to, to try to purchase products that are ethically sourced, mm -hmm. where your dollars, our dollars, are actually having a positive impact in the lives of the people who make them. I also had a, an, an e-commerce presence, so we have a website, zbmarket.com, and that we are able to sell, and so we're beginning to reach out to that uh, a number of customers who are not really in love with corporate America retail, mm -hmm. but are looking for something that is truly unique and that ultimately does make a difference uh, in the lives of people. Now, Patrice Estes, who we heard from earlier in the show, she's the director of Plowsharing Crafts, and they'll begin their 35th year of business this coming June. She told us earlier this week that she first got involved in that fair trade craft shop uh, 12 holiday seasons ago. She measures it by holiday seasons, not by years. <laughs> um, first, she managed stores in Kirkwood and then in town and country. And last year, when the founding executive director retired, she started heading up the Del Mar location. In the early years, I was a volunteer there and found out about a position open with plowsharing. And I was ready to make a change. I wanted to do something with, as a career that meant, a, meant something to people, made a difference to people. And that's how I ended up here. Now, we've been talking about the fair trade scene growing, but the Loop location that Patrice now heads up is the organization's only brick-and-mortar store now. They've closed their other outlets. Here's what she told us about how that nonprofit business has evolved in recent years. Shopping is different. Gift-giving is a little different. Um, as a not-for-profit, when there were years that we were just bringing in a lot more um, in sales, it made us open more stores because more stores meant us buying more craft. And that is the goal of this not-for-profit is to support artisans in the developing countries. And it's 40 countries that we're over 40 countries that we're dealing with. Um, so as, as the company had grown, well, the Kirkwood store had been there for 16 years when we closed it. We were in Edwardsville for three years. We were in town and country two years. So when the store was really, sales were really, really strong, that's how we expanded um, with the funds that were available to us to buy more craft and be in more areas. 
we still have the brick and mortar in the Del Mar Loop, but our other half of the business is off-site sales at hosting at churches that host us throughout the season. Um, primarily, these sales happen from September, late September all the way till about two weeks before Christmas. That's Patrice Estes of Plowshare and Crafts, and it sounds like they're having to meet the consumer where they're at. They can't count on people necessarily coming to a brick and mortar. Julio, do you feel like you're facing the same challenges as traditional retailers, or are you really in a different um, space? Um, I think we're not alone. Um, I talk to other business owners, and we all face the same challenges. There's just less foot traffic in, in the markets. But one thing that is different for us, South Grand is a vibrant community, and so is Maplewood. So we have the benefit, if you will, of having a captive audience who want to they want to spend a little bit of time in those areas. So that's one There's plus. people kind of browsing. Yeah, exactly. But we do have the challenge of less foot traffic. That's undoubtedly. In fact, this year I would say we've dropped a little bit in sales compared to last year. Mm. But the thing is, we do have zbmarket.com and everything, every dollar we've dropped in the bricks and mortar store has been more than made up in our online sales. Okay. And, and, and this is just a uh, one way that customers, you have to meet them where they are. And if they open their phone and they're going to go into a site looking for Fair Trade St. Louis, ZB Market will be probably one of the top results. And whenever any business embraces this new way of shopping and consuming, we have to be ready to meet them where they need to be. And, and I need to pour more energy and resources into our website so that we can hopefully keep offering the goods, not just here in, the, in St. Louis, but across the country. Allison, partners for Just Trade, you guys are also selling directly to consumers. Is that through a website or is that you're doing things like going to churches with these goods? Both. Yeah, we have our website where people can go uh, and browse online, buy as they want. And we also do, as Patrice was saying, shows end of September through <laughs> mid-December. Um, also in the spring, we're at Earth Day and different events. So we definitely meet the consumers locally face-to-face uh, -face in that way. And I know you talked about your organization began by working with people in Peru, um, but that now you guys are working with people in Cambodia and with Haiti and Palestine. Without getting too much into the weeds, how do you end up cultivating sources in new countries? It seems like this could be really complicated to try to get these goods from other places to here. It, it definitely can be a complicated process, and it's through connections. Uh, we've had people throughout the history of the organization that have had connections uh, in these countries um, that have been able to go and visit with the artisans face-to-face, -face, work with them directly uh, so that we can really build those partnerships and then bring those products to the consumers in America. I'm going to go to the phone lines. Lauren is calling from St. Louis. Hi, Lauren. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that I am so incredibly happy to hear that there is more of a dialogue being opened up about just fair trade and the true cost of, you know, the impact of things like fast fashion and how ethically made purchases have the effect on global communities and how the conversation has opened up more in our community. I mean, I think that, you know, it's really important for consumers to understand buying with intention is incredibly important, as well as also the uh, value of voting with your dollar whenever it comes to just consuming in general. So thank you so much. I'm a longtime listener. Thank you, Laura, and we appreciate that call. Uh, Julio, how important is education in terms of getting consumers to realize um, mm -hmm. these goods aren't just cute, that they also have a good cause? It is extremely important, and it's in fact the part that I love the best about my job. I, there's nothing that gives me more happiness when someone comes into the store just because they run into a ZB Market gift shop. They begin looking at product, and then we have a conversation about 
how it was sourced and how it came to to be available here in the U.S. And I think what the caller just, Lauren just said, is is so extremely important. There is an increased number of people that are more interested in how things are made in their movements across the globe trying to bring awareness of the injustice in, in the supply chain and how prosperity should be shared among all members of the supply chain. And so um, something we haven't brought up, it's the Fair Trade Federation. It's a huge organization. This that, is the Fair Trade Federation? Yeah, the Fair Trade Federation is a membership um, organization that supports both wholesalers, PJT is, as a wholesaler as well, and retailers that are committed to embracing a, a business model where the producers, the farmers, are actually compensated fairly for their work. So the more questions people ask about who made what I wear and who made what I buy for as a gift, the, the more we're open to dialogue that ultimately leads to making choices that, that truly um, make a difference in the world. And Allison, I understand part of the organ, part of the work that your organization does is that education um, and that you even work with preschoolers. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, we have a, a new program that's uh, an educational curriculum for preschoolers and for young kids where we focus on uh, compassion and loving kindness and we talk about other cultures and other countries um, and go through uh, about 45 minutes of activities with the kids to really open up their minds to these ideas. So you think that that this is not too early to start, get them thinking about this stuff? I think it's necessary to start this early. Did they grasp it at that point? They, yeah, we've come back multiple times and we ask them questions about what they remember from the, the last lessons and they're like, oh, and they bring up different ideas about Peru and different uh, things, that activities that we've done. And they um, definitely, definitely grasp the activities. And um, when we talk about our, our friends and our families that are across the world, they, it's, we can see that they really are connecting to it um, <laughs> and that they have a lot of fun with the activities. So That's great. So you can catch them while they're young, um, <laughs> help them understand this idea and it may mm-hmm. pay off. For decades down the road. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, when our producer talked to Patrice of Plowshare and Crafts, one of the things that she talked about is the need for more shops um, to stock these products. And she felt that this was something that consumers could play a role in, in trying to um, tell shops that they should stock this kind of product. Is that something that, that it, just the average person can do? Or are we sort of inserting ourselves in a way that maybe isn't even all that helpful? Julia, uh, I think, think I think that's already happening. It's a great question, but it's already happening. And some giant retailers are actually now considering because they're seeing a shift in, in the customers. Customers are questioning the, the sourcing and how things get to be made. And so they're embracing this. And some of our Fair Trade Federation member suppliers are also embracing the concept and giving more jobs to more people in those foreign countries. But it all starts with us. It's a, it's a choice we make. It's a choice that every time we open our wallets and make a decision to purchase something is ultimately going to have an impact in someone's life. But, you know, sustainability is important. We all want to lower our carbon footprint. We all want to do eat better and healthier food. And so the more we arm ourselves with information and knowledge, the better decisions we make. And so people will want to look for something that's associated with this Fair Trade Federation or that has been um, marked as being fair trade? Is that, that the key That is absolutely there? correct. Yeah, there's some uh, markup trust. There's several organizations that certify or verify uh, businesses and or wholesalers. And if you look for those signs or at least question to your point, uh, a company you support and say, I'd like to see denim options that is that are produced with organic cotton where the producers are actually treated fairly and compensated fairly. Julia, Julio Zagara-Balan of ZB Market, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Allison Miller of Partners for Just Trade, um, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.